What's happening, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. A couple big pieces of Browns news that we are going to get to. Before we start, as usual, we are going to cover things that are on the OBR website. And we're going to start with things that came out earlier in the morning for the site. We posted our first 20 prospects in 20 days. By the time you listen to this one, we will have our second one uploaded, which... Uh, we're excited about 20 guys in 20 days we think matter to the Browns pick location. Started with Josh Pascal from Kentucky, the edge uh, for day 20. Day 19 will be George Pickens, uh, and we're uh, pumped about the direction of that. Other things up on the website, previewing what a David Njoku extension might look like with Jack Duffin. Uh, obviously, the salary cap guru is going to go through his time of previewing all of these things, what the extensions look like, so on and so forth. And he does a great job with this one, giving you the layout of what the void years could look like. Uh, Other two big pieces of information that we'll just dive into right now is first was the surprising. uh, Let me say this. I thought it was surprising in a way, but I started to think as things wore on this offseason and we know the Browns are trying to avoid going into the draft with any holes at the positions of need. Ronnie Harrison to me coming back for a cheap contract made a lot of sense. So uh, the deal ends up getting struck where Ronnie Harrison's coming back to Cleveland. We have not seen the figures on it, but listen, I know it's not maybe who you expected, who you hoped for uh, to fill out the third safety role. And maybe some of you even wanted MJ Stewart. I, I totally get it. There were bonehead penalties this year. For Harrison, there were clearly some disruptive coverage mistakes on his part, but he is coming off of a 2020 season that he played pretty well, uh, where he had eight pressures on the year, 34 tackles, including 15 stop tackles. Uh, the, 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 The stuff up near the line of scrimmage was really strong. He had five pass breakups. The difference is in 21, obviously the mental mistakes catch up. Instead of only giving up one touchdown, he gives up seven is who he's, you know, I, I, these are a little tough to navigate the responsibility for, but we can think back to the Chargers blown coverage. There was a blown coverage in um, another game that I cannot think of off the top of my head where he just completely lost a cover two scenario in the back of the end zone. Sorry, cover four might've been the Cardinals game. Can't remember off the top of my head. He just had too many coverage blown uh, situation. So listen, he's still young. He, he He's just about to turn 25. There are prospects in this draft who will come into the NFL 24 and some even when the season starts are going to be 25. He's young, man. He's played four seasons in the NFL. He actually put together a better tackling and run defense season last year, a 78.3 run defense grade. And I thought my own film study, I thought it was justifiable an 80.3 tackling grade. He cut down on his missed tackles, the lowest mark in his career. He had 46 tackles, total 19 stop tackles. If he can clean up the coverage issues and eliminate the silly penalties like we think of in the Chiefs game where you know, he lets his emotions get out in front of him, he can be a really nice contributor and a good third safety. The Browns have to identify roles for guys. You really don't want Ronnie Harrison playing too much split high coverage deep. You would prefer Grant Delpit do that and John Johnson. I do want them to be able to rotate these guys around a little bit more because, listen, I think that there was some confusion. If you go look at the grades for the first five, six, seven weeks of the safeties and then look at them in the last portion of the year, it's pretty much night and day. They got a lot better, and I think that that's something that I've been meaning to talk about with John Johnson was 
his start to the year in Cleveland in a new scheme was really rough. But by the end of the year, he was playing pretty strong football from week nine on. He had one blip game there in week 10 in New England. He played poorly, but pretty good throughout the rest of the season. I expect Ronnie Harrison and, and John Johnson to have nice seasons and Grant Delpit to get a little bit better too. Scheme familiarity, this will be the third year in the system for two of those guys, the second year for John Johnson. I am a tinge concerned, like I said, about putting guys in the best fit for their situation in terms of their skill set, but I think the Browns will be able to do some things here uh, to, to, to just communicate better and put them in, uh, put them in uh, more, more understanding, less compromising positions. So... We'll see how it shakes out. I like that it's going to be a cheap deal, going to be a one-year deal. You're not breaking the bank at safety. You can still draft one. We're going to talk about safeties leading up to this draft. They'll be a part of our 20 days of study on prospects. They can still draft a safety. They still have Richard LeCount, who's fighting for a future in the NFL after a pretty uh, pretty poor uh, rookie season that didn't find himself on the field very often. So, I, listen, I don't think it's the end of the world. I think it's fair to question it, but I think if you go back – and look at where Ronnie Harrison actually found some 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 nice production. If you go back and check out the Browns' dime dime defense, where he's the dime linebacker with JOK up in the box, pretty dynamic spot for him. He he was really good there, and I might have to cover that in writing. But that's a part of things I think that can still come together really well. And again, cheap price point, still an extremely young player. And I do think there are reasons to believe that a rebound season to a more productive role collectively for all three safeties is set to happen because I didn't think the skill of those guys matched up with the output and production that they put on the field. So I am excited to see where those guys can go. I will get into some deeper analysis on Harrison next week, but I'm more than fine with this re-signing at a cheap price point. I think it helps them. Uh, ease concern about a safety going into the draft while also bringing back a young guy who can still get better in a system that he's really familiar with. The other signing, which comes as a bit of, su- of a surprise, I think, to most of us, was the, the Browns going out and signing former Steelers quarterback Josh Dobbs. So it's not surprising when you slow down and think about it. Dobbs was selected in the fourth round, 2017 draft, had some minimal action in 2018 as a 23-year-old. Uh, played in one game in 2020, did not play in any games in 2021. Has really only put up a couple rushing stats that matter. Has not really he's not really found the field much. So this is a guy who's a third quarterback, but also a cheap quarterback, also a scheme fit for what the Browns are going to build with an offense around Deshaun Watson and then Jacoby Brissett, and then falling in line again with a very cerebral quarterback from all accounts. Pittsburgh kept him around because he was a great teammate, a a great sideline presence. So Dobbs is an interesting fit when you think about the kind of random nature, but if they do end up getting a Watson suspension this upcoming season, then you have a backup that fits the sort of precedent that they'll have at the position. They won't have a bunch of varying skill sets at quarterback. you got to think like, Baker Mayfield's backup, Case Keenum. That makes sense because it's a guy who plays the position in a very similar way. You can keep your offense consistent and in rhythm around that guy. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at a situation where this is your third quarterback, your pre- maybe a guy on your practice squad, a uh, a body at camp uh, potentially. You know, you don't you don't know if Dobbs is even gonna 
stick around all too long with the franchise. You don't really, when you're signing this type of player, don't know how long that's going to shake out for, but you do need a backup if Deshaun Watson does find himself in the suspension this upcoming season. So um, makes sense to me. It's not going to be overwhelming. What it does tell me is it's quite unlikely that they would draft like a long-term backup development player with three guys on the roster. I think they might go the preferred free agent route doing that sort of thing, bringing in a guy uh, in that, in that regard in the uh, camp session. So yeah, I mean, underwhelming, but it's again, you're filling a third quarterback here and a guy who can be on the practice squad and come up for games. If you need him to come up for games and be the backup for as long as Jacoby Brissett is the starter in whatever scenario plays out in 2022. So yeah, it's an experienced guy. Uh, he obviously has a wealth of knowledge of Pittsburgh's organization, having been around there for, for five seasons uh, as he was. He was valuable enough to them to keep him around like they did. But again, to me, athletic quarterbacks is what Cleveland is looking at right now, which really signifies a shift in approach and a shift in offense, uh, the structure of it, and the Dobbs signing here keeps in line with fitting in quarterbacks who can play in this system the way the Browns will try to play uh, the offense around Watson moving forward. So makes sense all the way around. Two Friday signings for your Cleveland Browns. Uh, we can maybe look at some of Dobbs' preseason work over the years and try to justify what type of quarterback he is. Very limited, again, only 17 attempts in the NFL in his time in Pittsburgh, 10 completions, 45 yards, one interception. He also had a couple runs. I think he had six carries, 31 yards, three first down runs. So, yeah, that's that's a bit of what he is, and the, the sort of outlook is a third arm and practice squad and potential backup if there's a suspension looming for Watson. So we will get deeper into both Harrison and – Dobbs in some sort of film room variety, I'm sure, over the next few weeks. I still have to write up Jacoby Brissett's film and the huge one that will probably come after the draft into the summer, which is, you know, who the hell Deshaun Watson is on the football field as a quarterback. So we'll get to all that stuff. Just wanted to touch on it. We have a fun guest today, John Costco, Pro Football Focus. I want to get Pro Football Focus opinions on the draft, players that make sense, 4478. He gives a great data outlook here. Let's get over to our conversation with John now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, so as we start to look really deeply at these prospects, you guys will notice at the OBR we are doing 20 prospects in 20 days leading up to this draft. And it's going to be unique. Obviously, the first time since 2019 the Browns haven't had a first-round pick. This is a rarity for Cleveland to not have a first-round pick. And as we sit here recording this on Wednesday the 6th, they still don't have a first-round pick. They could go crazy. I don't expect that to happen, but they could. Anytime you're talking about the Browns draft, I like to tie in the analytics side of it because I do think that they lean heavily into that. And I like looking at tape data, performance data. That means John Costco, Pro Football Focus. John, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great, Jake. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I want to pick your brain about a couple things. I think the first thing, though, that we should do before we get to the uh, to the draft is talk real quick on Deshaun Watson. I have not gotten your information on what the data tells you about this quarterback. I think there are people who have gotten into now looking at Watson, the quarterback, and there's some folks who try to tell you he's good, okay, and some folks try to tell you he's elite. I'm interested in what Pro Football Focus has deduced from his first uh, first four years in the NFL that he spent playing. Yeah, he's elite. Um, going into the 2021 season, if had he played, he would have been our number two ranked quarterback, um, you know, based on especially the past three years where he had graded above 80 um, in each of those years. And then, you know, had in 2020, he had taken the leap into uh, above 90, uh, where mm-hmm. he was the second highest graded quarterback of the season. He had the, the third, third highest wins above replacement. Uh, so, you know, considering the team he was on, he was, he was performing at an incredible level, uh, you know, big time throw percentage was, was over 7%. His turnover throw rate was under two and a half percent. The guy just, you know, he, he produces at, a, at an incredibly high level um, and you can't really fault him for the, the team that he had around him in, in 2020. That was uh, basically uh, at the start of a, a teardown is, is in sorts, you know, they, they traded away DeAndre Hopkins and got worse at, at multiple positions. And so they, you know, D- Watson did what he ha- he could, but he's what we see from him is, is an elite level quarterback that was, um, you know, just get, just getting better. So I think a big contention point is the cold weather, not just Watson deciding to come to Cleveland, but how he's going to perform. You know, you play in a retractable roof or dome stadium for most of your career. And I know he didn't do that at Clemson, but the weather was good. So that cancels it out a little bit. Are, are you concerned based on your data from his, his time in Northern outdoor stadiums. Do you have any concerns about how he will play in that weather? No, no, I don't. And, um, you know, over the, over the past four years and when he played, there's only been a handful of games that we have data on. So, you know, you look at temperatures below 45 and him playing outdoors. um, He he doesn't perform poorly. There's one bad game in there and that was against the the Ravens, but uh, he's shown in, in, every other game that he's played in a cold weather type situation to be a high level passer. He, you know, he has still has a, uh, um, you know, very high completion percentage. It's not as high as it is in the dome, but that's for any quarterback. You put any quarterback in the, in, uh, in that weather in the adverse weather that they, they do have a tick down in their performance, but you know, you look at, look at Watson. He still has in the, in the nineties passer rating. His, his grade is, is around 12th best in the NFL in cold weather games outdoors. 
Um, he still doesn't, you know, he doesn't turn the ball over at an obscene level. He keeps, you know, he still protects the ball um, while being able to, to throw big time throws still. So it, the, the way the data doesn't show that he uh, drastically uh, gets worse outdoors. And the fact that like in all the best quarterbacks in the, in the NFL, that grade uh, in cold weather are the quarterbacks that play in cold weather. So my assumption is that he's going to be able to be get used to it, get acclimated to that type of cold weather, and then play good and play you know good football in cold weather because uh, it's just you get used to it. Yeah, I think if the Browns had actual concerns about that, there would have been a huge stopping point <laughs> yeah. along the process here. So good stuff. Let's talk drafting. Let's shift over there. I want to know, you know, we're a little less uh, able in this scenario to focus on the guys at the top of the draft. I'm not asking for you to talk about a lot of guys here, but just give me a few from this class that you think are some of the elite prospects that you expect to really hit in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking first round guys, for sure. My, I mean, like wide receiver is, is a position I've looked at quite heavily this draft because it's been a need for the Browns. And uh, I tend to, I tend to go that way when I, when I dive deep, deeper into a class and uh, Jamison Williams, in my opinion, is the best wide receiver in this class. Um, you know, even with the injury and everything, I would still take him as the first wide receiver. His speed is, is backbreaking type stuff and he can use that speed and run really good routes. So a lot of times you get those speedsters, they can't run their routes very well. They're basically only the deep, you know, overs, the deep posts, the corners and, and go balls because they're not able to break it down quickly enough. Like a Tyreek Hill, you see what he can do with every route that he runs. Um, Jameson Williams has, has the full, full route tree that he can run. He can run quick, short routes, you know, the, the slants, hitches and quick outs. He can do the intermediate stuff um, and he can, you know, he can do deep comebacks and it, and his speed is, is deathly. So um, to me, I think he's, he's a guy that I really like there. Um, you t- go a little bit later, maybe later first round, early second round type guy. I like Sky Moore out of Western Michigan a lot. Um, he is on the smaller side, but he is a thicker guy. So he's, you know, five, nine, five, 10. Uh, but he is close to 200 pounds there. So he's, he's got some size to him. And he, then if you looked at him in the combine, he tested out at an incredible level there elite across the board there. And it was our the number one graded wide receiver in college football this past year. Um, and then, you know, a guy that likely could be a real steal for the Browns would be a, a George Pickens out of, out of Georgia. Uh, he, he's a guy that, you know, he, he got, had missed time in the, most of the season of this past year uh, and barely just came back for the, you know, the championship game, the playoff run for the, for Georgia Bulldogs. He's a guy that reminds me kind of like a, an AJ green type, uh, but is more physical at the, at the catch point. It just, he fights for literally every single ball that's in the air and is an, a, an elite like contested catch catch type guy, but, and he can also separate. So he's able to separate on those, on the outside and then when you know he's got the sideline awareness and, and body control to be able to come down with the tougher catches so those are some of the guys that i like that you know wide receiver wise for sure at the, the top end of this draft so i think before let me put it this way the five names that we've all been talking about are, are going in the first round i just i just see it to be really challenging for any of wilson drake london Jameson Williams, as you're talking about Alave or Burks to not go first round. And then, you know, you felt like those guys could go first. And then it seems to me, John, that the consensus is the next two are Jahan Dotson and Sky Moore. And like, 
I think before, and even, you know, Pickens has started to get the respect he deserves as this process is worn on and Alec Pierce is creeping into that realm too. So I think before the Kansas city Hill trade and Devonte Adams, green Bay, I thought it was a lock to have three to four pretty good receivers sitting there in the second round, maybe not at pick 44, but at least if you really wanted a guy, uh, they would be there in the second round. Do you start to get the hunch that a guy like Sky Moore, who you really like, or Pickens are going to go top half of the second round? Or like, are, are we going to see seven wide receivers go in the first 44 picks? Is that a, is that something you guys feel like is going to happen? It's, I mean, you might see it, right? Like, cause you've seen what's happening in the wide receiver market right now where the top end guys are getting paid big time dollars. So teams are going to start wanting to get these guys on a, on a much cheaper contract. And they're going to do that by, by drafting them higher. And especially with the, the success we've seen in the past couple of drafts of, uh, of these wide receivers, I, I do think that you'll see uh, seven guys go, you know, go def- top 50 for sure. And so, and if not more, um, and I think, you know, there's not the, there's not the chase, you know, the Jamar chase, there's not the uh, Justin Jefferson type guy, uh, you know, of this draft where, you know, out of the gates, this guy's going to tear it up. I don't think, but what this class is, is deep um, and really good, you know, after the, t- you know, basically a top 10 type, you know, there's no top 10 get guy, but from the 10 to the 60 range, you, you can see a lot of those guys go. Um, and it does seem to be a good sweet spot for teams to find uh, really good quality wide receivers in that upper half of the second round range. Um, that so I, I really do think you can see that. Who who? Okay, let's let's close with this one because I think this is uh, pertinent to a little bit more positional floating around here. Forty four seventy eight for Cleveland. Who are your guys? You hope that they can find a way to get. We talked about a couple of receivers now, but. Uh, I think there's some others. It gets thin on the D line pretty quick, so Cleveland will have to get an answer there if they want it, right? Yeah, th- they will. So I, I would say that if you know if you're wanting to get the more bang for your buck there, generally you'd be trying to go for the uh, an edge defender at that 44 spot, um, which would you know kind of put you in line with having you know like a, a Nick Bonito from from Oklahoma at. You know, he's maybe a smaller guy, but tests out at a pretty high level. Uh, he, he falls in line with, you know, the the, the athletic testing that, the, you know, the Browns like. Um, you know, who, who, you got tr- even potentially a Travis Jones if he were to fall there. Um, though I think he's, you know, the, the way he plays and he's, he's pretty much a stud. He might go higher than what the Browns would want. Um, you know, Kingsley Enigbare. Not a not a great with the, the the pronunciation of the last name. Um, you know he'd be another guy out of South Carolina, uh, Drake Jackson out of USC. Uh, he, they, those guys might be you know in their mold of what what they're wanting to look for at that forty four position if they're going edge. I mean George Pickens in my opinion would be like an absolute steal at that spot. I think he's a guy that they they if if he's there they you know I would I would want to take him. Now if you go down to to seventy seven then. You know, it becomes it becomes like a, a crapshoot, in my opinion, of what it is that, that you know how it falls and everything like that. Like Alec Pierce and Christian Watson, those are two guys that could fall to that seventy seven spot that I would be all over to, to take, and and Christian Watson especially. Um, you know, maybe you know they might they might be looking uh, like a chant, you know, Channing Tindale, or, or you know, if they they seem to like linebackers in that third round range, which is, you know, the past few years, you got Jacob Phillips, you, uh, 
what they you know they drafted there so it, you know it might be something that they're looking at um Khalil Shakir might be another guy uh slot receiver out of Boise State he's a guy that has lots of speed and stuff um you know maybe a Perion Winfrey out of Oklahoma defensive tackle um a guy that you know t- really really impressed at the senior bowl um and then again I don't maybe don't see it happening um for them because of they just signed even though he's not doesn't grade well and doesn't play well Ethan Posick but uh, Donovan West out of Arizona State would be a potential center option for them to replace J.C. Treader um, if they're not in- entirely, you know, confident in what they have there in, in um, uh, gosh, what's his name, Harris. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So those are some guys I think they might might target in that that range there. Okay, good stuff. I, I like a lot of those names. Most of us have heard. I think that the value. I think as we sit here, it's edge, IDL, wide receiver. I think those are the positions they're going to attack. We did see today, I saw from Brad Steinberg here at the OBR, that they brought Tyler Smith in the tackle from Tulsa. I have a hard time seeing that player be there beyond pick 44, even if he's there at pick 44. Um, Maybe they're a little interested in bringing in a replacement for Conklin earlier. I don't know. We'll have to see what shakes out there. But I think most of us feel like the 2D line positions wide receiver what would you like to see them do? And this, I promise, John, is our last question. What would you like to see them do before the draft still? I mean, there are some glaring holes here that need addressed, and I don't think they like to go into the draft with holes they need to fix. So what do you sit here and kind of have a hunch on that they might be looking to do before the draft? Yeah, they they don't like to be put into a position where they have to draft for need, and they've, they've done a pretty good job of that in the past two drafts of making sure that they can go into the, the draft and not really have to draft for need. but wide receiver again is another these positions you just listed essentially like they need they need to have more depth there because after you know Amari Cooper you you I mean you're hoping that Donovan Peoples Jones kind of you know puts it all together you're hoping that Anthony Schwartz has a second year breakout you're hoping that Demetri Felton can you know find a role in that slot position those are all hopes you can't you can't really rest your laurels on that so you need get somebody, you know, maybe a, a veteran guy that you can rely on out of the slot or a, a rely on, you know, opposite Amari Cooper on, on the outside of the Z position. So you, you have to have somebody there at, that, you know, can uh, perform and, and at least have an expectation there edge again. Like I know that they've just brought in Chase Winovich and he's, he's got some, uh, you know, good juice there. If, if he can get back to his early se- uh, career form, but I think you still want to make sure that you have guys that can rotate in there, and especially at the defensive tackle position. You, you, the same thing. You have to have guys that can can fill those holes. I think really, generally though, they don't have many holes on the team outside those positions. But those are some glaring needs that they have, and and you know, two of those positions are very important. I dig it. I dig it. Good stuff, John. We appreciate your time, man. Always appreciate when you're willing to share some stuff that you guys have at Pro Football Focus and. Uh, give us some insight. So uh, again, appreciate you very much, buddy. And we'll talk soon. Hey, my pleasure, Jake. You have a great uh, weekend. All right, guys, thanks for joining today's show. Huge shout out to John Costco for taking the time to do an interview with us and talk about the prospects that have caught his eye and pro football focuses. eye, uh, looking around the NFL's landscape and especially the Browns and uh, giving us those insights, I think are always important. And I've tried to do that. I had Matt Waldman on the other day, going to keep bringing on as many, smart uh people that have smart data 
around the draft or smart takes in their, their process of scouting. I want to get those folks in to talk because we only get one run up to the draft, right? And then we get the draft and we'll talk all about the prospects that the Browns selected. But this is a, a fun look at, at some people's opinions out there. And I'm going to try to keep mixing up who I get opinions from. Maybe have Dane on again. That would be a ton of fun. The Beast, it's awesome. Make sure you guys go out and get that draft guide best on the market. Sports Info Solutions also put out a really great free draft guide for you if you would like that as well. Check out the Newswire tomorrow. Check out George Pickens on the 20 for 20. Prospects leading up with our 20 days to the draft. And we have some great Miles Garrett content coming this weekend about how he should have won Defensive Player of the Year. And then a look back at some of his best uh, efforts from last year because it's... Uh, it's been a weird offseason, and I don't think the really good players on the Browns are getting the coverage they deserve, so we're going to hit on Miles as well. So thanks for checking out today's episode, guys. Have a great Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whenever you're listening to this. Appreciate you checking out the OBR Film Breakdown podcast, the OBR Twitch, and the website. Have a great, again, weekend. Be well, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.